Welcome to the Together for Good podcast brought to you by Bethany Lutheran Church in Cherry Hills Village, Colorado. Today's episode is a recording of yesterday's sermon. <laughs> Yesterday, I preached a sermon on doubting Thomas, as the story found in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Uh, but as you'll hear, I don't really like the title, Doubting Thomas. I don't think that's fair to poor Thomas. Uh, but the sermon focuses on a lot of different themes uh, that we've been experiencing during this past pandemic year. As I was reading through John's gospel story in preparation for Sunday's sermon, I just noticed a whole bunch of parallels. Uh, And so I hope that this is meaningful and comforting and helpful to you uh, in whatever you might be going through and facing after the year that was. Here it is, my sermon from Sunday, April the 11th. can happen in my household that there might come from time to time a moment when one of my beautiful, lovely children will get in what they call a mood. It can happen to any of my three children, and it can happen at any time of day under any circumstances, but they'll get a little cranky, a little angry, a little sad and mopey. They'll start whining a lot or yelling a lot. And this happens, again, all the time, and there's not really a rhyme or reason for it. Maybe it's just they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Maybe they didn't eat lunch at school very well, and so by the time they get home, they're really hangry. That's hungry and angry at the same time. Or maybe it's just something else that happened. And so my wife and I, who, by the way, can also get in moods like this as well, we just might manage our emotions a little better than our children, My wife or I will then take the child aside, whoever it may be that's in a mood at that moment, and start to talk with them. We'll try and listen to their frustrations and affirm their emotions. I hear that you're really upset that we're out of Nutella. I understand. This is a hard moment. And there's something powerful for the child to hear their emotions, however absurd they might seem, affirmed. And then we'll talk more with the child about what's actually going on And one of the things that my wife and I have found to be really, really helpful is not just affirming their emotions, but then asking this next crucial question. What do you need right now? Now, my children are nine and seven and three. And so oftentimes the answer to that question is a little bit off kilter. I need you to just do what I'm telling you to do. Yes. But over the course of asking this question again and again to our children, They've become rather adept at analyzing their emotions and getting to the heart of the matter. Again, it's not all the time that they're able to do this, but every now and then they'll say, I just need you to give me a hug. Or they'll say something like, I just need to know that I'm not going to get in trouble for what happened in school today. Or they'll say, I just need some food. I'm really hungry. It's a long process, it's not always easy and straightforward, and it doesn't always work out as cleanly as I'm making it sound, but it is really effective, we're finding, to ask them that simple question, what do you need right now? Friends, it's been a very weird, complicated, and emotionally fraught year that we've just lived through. And I'm guessing with everything that's happened in the last 13 months, that we haven't had a lot of time to ask ourselves a question like that. 
We've been so busy managing and piecemealing our life together, so busy trying to keep the virus at bay as best we can, so busy trying to make sense of all that's happening in our world that we probably haven't paused very often to check in with our own emotions and to ask ourselves, gosh, what do I really need right now? As spiritual people and as followers of Jesus, there's something really powerful and important about getting in touch with our true emotions, getting in touch with our true internal soul-level needs. The Bible has this whole book right in the middle called the Book of Psalms. It's 150 poems that deal with the breadth of human emotions. And I think it's there to remind us that God cares deeply about what we're feeling right now. God cares deeply about our own internal struggles and wants to help us regardless of wherever we might be at. And I think also that Jesus cares deeply about the real emotions of individuals. So much of his ministry was based on compassion, on listening to the needs of others, on really seeing and hearing the people who were right in front of him. And we frankly get a story just like that again today from John's Gospel as we hear about Doubting Thomas. Now, Doubting Thomas, he gets a really bad rap. That moniker that we've attached to him seems to also come with a whole host of assumptions about what this guy stood for. We look down on him. We attach so much shame to Thomas because he couldn't have faith like the other disciples. We created that term, a doubting Thomas, and we forever referred to the guy in this way. But this morning, I want us to look back at this story and to really look carefully at it and to ask ourselves the question, what would Thomas say if someone was to come along and ask him, hey, Thomas, what do you need right now? Let's look at John's gospel carefully. John's gospel this morning from chapter 20 begins by telling us that 10 of the 11 disciples who are remaining were locked up in fear together that same night. They were locked up because of everything that had been going on. It says they're locked up for fear of the Jews. And I want to think about that moment for a second, if we can. Because imagine what the disciples have been through. They came to Jerusalem in order to celebrate the Passover with Jesus, their rabbi. And on Sunday of that week, when they entered the city, there was a whole group of people gathered around who waved palm branches and declared Jesus to be the king of the Jews. They celebrated his entry into Jerusalem. But on Friday of that same week, Jesus' disciples saw that same crowd of people who had heralded Jesus as king, they saw that same crowd now shouting, crucify him. Release Barabbas instead. The public opinion polls for Jesus have shifted dramatically in less than a week's time. And so these disciples now find themselves locked in a room because they're terrified. Because they recognize that they could be next. That the same crowd who crucified Jesus might be coming for Jesus' followers as well. But that's not the only emotion this group of disciples is dealing with. This group of disciples is also grieving. This man, Jesus, who was their rabbi and their friend, their travel companion for three years, 
They saw him crucified. They've lost someone so essential and important to their life. And not only that, but they had thought that Jesus would be the one to redeem Israel. And so their great hope for the world and for life had also been put to death on that Friday. All of this is going on within the hearts and the minds of those disciples locked in a room. And then Jesus appears to them. He stands in their midst and brings them a greeting of peace. He gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit. He invites them to see his wounds so that they can know that he really is no longer dead but risen. This all happens for the disciples. And Thomas missed it. Thomas wasn't there. We we don't know why. Maybe he was getting his COVID vaccine that day. But Thomas missed out on this incredibly powerful moment. And so imagine his emotional state. He's still locked up in fear. He still is seeing the images of the crucified Jesus playing through his head. He's still grieving and afraid that he might be next. And so if we were to ask Thomas, hey Thomas, what do you need right now? I've got to think that he would say, I just need what all my friends already have. We make this story all about shaming Thomas for not having enough faith. It's because of that line in verse 29 where Jesus says, Blessed are those who believe without seeing. And yeah, that's really great. This is a valuable lesson and point. To have faith without clear evidence is important. But notice that Jesus never said, And if you have doubts, then you should be ashamed of yourself. But it seems like that's what we've done to poor Thomas over the years. The original doubting Thomas was really just a guy who had lived through a traumatic experience. And he was grieving and afraid. And to top it all off, he missed out. He missed out on the hope and the peace and the joy that all his friends got to experience. Church, we've had a really hard year. We've lived through our own traumas over the last 13 months, and there is grief that we're dealing with and fear, and it's all been going on for so long that we might not even be able to say what it is that we need right now. And so I want you to know that wherever you're at in this conglomerate of emotions, that it's okay. That if you have doubts like Thomas or fears like Thomas or grief like Thomas, you have nothing to be ashamed of. I believe this. Your church believes this. And Jesus believes it too. Because I want you to notice that Jesus comes back just for Thomas. Not to shame him in front of his friends, but in order to give Thomas what he needed most. A week later, Jesus overcame locked doors once again. Thomas and all the other disciples were hiding, and Thomas was afraid, and he was doubting. And then Jesus showed up. He lets Thomas see his wounds, and he gives Thomas a greeting of peace. 
And he lets Thomas have exactly what the disciples experienced a week before. You see, this story isn't about a disciple's lack of faith. It's a story about missing out and grieving. It's about locked doors and wounds and fear. And it's somehow about how Jesus can overcome all of that. Jesus overcomes it all so that just one more person can experience the healing and the wholeness and the peace of the resurrection. We have lived through an entire year of locked doors, literally and metaphorically. I know that many of you are grieving, and I know we've all missed out on so much and we have all sorts of wounds and residual fear as a result. But I also know that Jesus sees our needs and responds to them. And he longs to help us heal and believe and have life in his name. Jesus can overcome anything, even death itself, so that our fear can be transformed into peace. So that our grieving might slowly be healed so that we might find new, resurrected life in his name. Amen.